0: The Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer, a helper, a comforter, an advocate, and then some. But did you know that we can frustrate the Holy Spirit by our actions, our words, and we may not even be aware of it? In this series, please, please grieve not the Holy Spirit, we'll look into how this happens and, more importantly, what we can do to make sure it doesn't happen. Let's jump in.
1: Now we have had three other lessons on this subject and there is entirely too many scriptures at this point to review, I mean there's just too many. Now I will offer a special at the conclusion of the service where you can really obtain each of the CDs at a deep discount. For your spiritual enrichment and edification, that's why we encourage you to get the CDs. Okay, I mean, if I could give them to you absolutely free, I would do that. Because I want you to be able to get the word. But we have to like pay for the CDs and the duplication. You know, there is a cost factor involved. Okay, so therefore, you know, that's why we have to. But we've come up with specials, with deep discounts. I mean, there's nothing like a sale, (laughs) okay? So anyway, you'll, you'll hear about that at the end. Now in our prior lessons, We've learned quite a bit about the person of the Holy Spirit. We realize, excuse me, we realize that he has a distinct personality, a purpose, and that his power along with the entire power of the Godhead dwells within every believer. Now our study has shown that the Holy Spirit is God and his role is to animate the body of Christ. He empowers the body to do the will of the Most High God. I want you to think about this for a moment. If every believer that is filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, has the power of God Almighty overflowing within him, this power enables him to not only change his life, but the entire world around him. I mean, I don't think we always get that. But think about it, just think about that for a second. Turn with me to John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and we're gonna look at verses 26 and 27. We're gonna look at it, of course, in the New King James Version, but then I'm gonna read it to you out of the Amplified. That's John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, Verses 26 through 27. Now this is review in that. We already have have gone over this scripture several times. But I think you need to hear it again. So let me know that you have it. Praise God. Verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now the Amplified Version breaks this down in a way that I just absolutely appreciate. And it says this, starting with the 26th verse, but the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you, my own peace, and I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop! allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now that last part, I mean with all the stuff that's going on around us in this world, I appreciate the fact it doesn't have to affect me because I have the power of the Godhead living within me. The Holy Spirit has been given to me as my comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. I don't have to be concerned with all that stuff, okay? So for me, if it doesn't excite you, I find it extremely exciting. I truly, truly, truly do. So, it is one thing, of course, to be born of the Spirit of God, but it is paramount to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidence, by speaking with other tongues. Now we determined in our last lesson, based upon Apostle Price's own writings, that not having this precious gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, can be the missing ingredient in a person's life, as it was for the apostle himself until 1970. Now as I have been teaching this series, I have been very blessed (laughs) with many questions regarding this subject matter. Now I always appreciate the questions and general conversation from all of you because that means you're thinking about it. So I actually appreciate the questions. So know that, I do. And one of the questions raised is exactly how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? More examples were requested Now, we have been talking a little bit about how we grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's in the title of the message. But people wanted to know, give me some more examples. I mean, you gave some, but I want some more. I want to really explore just how can we grieve the Holy Spirit. So I decided to share a few. And I'm sure that when you stop and meditate on this and think about it, you will come up with many more than time is going to allow me to go into today. Amen? Grieving the Holy Spirit by not doing everything with your full heart. We, especially on the East Coast, have a tendency, we are busy, we are just so busy, we're involved with so many different things, we're multitasking on a constant basis, that without recognizing it, we just kind of get into the motions of things. We can do things on remote control, okay? You can catch, you, some of you see, okay, here's where there's a little bit of a difference because I live on Long Island so I drive cars that's how we get around in the city you guys know all these schedules I am amazed because you know somebody will say oh well I got on the B and I got on the C and then take the one I'm like what are they talking about it's almost like a whole different language but you know it you got it you you know for me I'm that way in a car but the point is I can drive my car and not even be thinking about it And that's dangerous, to be very honest, because I have not only my life in my hands or whoever's in my car, but everybody else that's on the road. Whatever moment that you're in, be there. Don't be somewhere else. Like if you're here right now, if you took the time to come here, because you could have just stayed in bed, okay? But you took the time to come here, please, for your sake, not mine, be here, so that you can hear whatever it is the Holy Spirit wants for you today. Okay, You will find if you can live your life that way, it will be much fuller. And you'll find that you don't really get so much into that level all the time of grieving the Holy Spirit. But when you aren't and you're just kind of like going about doing whatever, it can grieve him because he wants you to be paying attention. He's the teacher. I'm not. I'm just the vehicle that's being used. Okay? Another thing is... And this can really happen for all of us, and we talked about this once before. When the altar call comes, when the altar call is given on any service, whether you're here or you're visiting somewhere else, the whole reason we do a service really, to tell you the truth, is to get to that altar call. Because we don't want people leaving and not having the opportunity to accept Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, and we discussed this in one of our other lessons, that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to actually minister to unsaved people. So when we get to that part of the service, it's extremely critical. And again, it's not just up to the teacher or whoever's up in the front. It's all of us can get involved and assist the Holy Spirit. How? By praying in the Spirit. And when we don't do that, It's grieving the Holy Spirit, because he's doing his job. But if we're not doing ours, it's grievous to him. Ministry of helps, we need to be doing it all the time. Okay, we don't realize that you know, you can actually, now see our ushers are top notch, so I I don't have to be concerned about them. But they actually could mess up and grieve the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a perfect example. Say for instance, the person is up here teaching, okay? And I'm getting ready to give whatever point the Holy Spirit is giving me me to share. And the usher, for whatever reason, he may not be paying attention, you know, because again, he's you know, doing so many different things, they've given them five million different things they have to do, he'll come up here and stand up front, not realizing that I'm still teaching, okay, or I have a really big point. He may not know it's a big point, but the point is if he comes and he stands and this isn't really where he's supposed to be at that time, all attention is going where? To him standing there. What has happened in that moment? The Holy Spirit is grieved. Why? Because the word now, nobody's paying attention to what the, what, what the Holy Spirit is saying. They're paying attention to the usher being out of place at that time. We have to learn to be sensitive so that we can flow. That's what it means when it says to flow all on one accord. When you're all on one accord, you would know, oh, for whatever reason, I don't need to be up there then okay, because the Holy Spirit would be telling you that. So, good, the great news is our ushers are on point, but I'm just giving you as an example. As an example, sitting in the congregation, if you want to eat candy, because I mean, let's face it, okay, it's a long time sitting sometimes, and it's nice to have a little piece of candy. Unwrap. It before you get here okay I mean put it in a little baggie or whatever you have to do come on because if you're sitting there and the paper is going the person now I may not hear it okay people two rows ahead may not hear it, but the person next to you might and it could be exactly what the Holy Spirit wants them to hear and the enemy will use your candy wrapper to keep them from hearing it it's the little things the little foxes the little tiny things those are the kinds of things that can grieve the Holy Spirit. But one of the biggest things is when we don't follow the word and when we don't speak the word. You could be sitting and see again, I'm always gonna be authentic with you. That's the only way I know how to be. You could be at home and you could be sitting with a pile of bills that in the natural you have no idea where you are gonna come up with the money to pay those bills on time. Now, maybe none of y'all have ever faced that, okay? But I have, okay? So I'm telling you, you have an opportunity at that time to make a choice. You can either look at those bills and you can speak the word over them or you could look at the bills and start with, well, I don't know how I'm gonna get this, and you know, they're supposed to be due on the whatever, the 15th, and here it is, the 13th, and I really don't know where the money is coming from, and oh Lord, you know, and Jesus help me. and That is not what the word says. The word says that, what, Jesus went to the cross when blood came out of his hands. It came out so that we would not have to be concerned with bills. So the point is, we don't, have the, we don't want to ever get to a point where we don't speak the word over the situation. I don't care if it is the morning of the 15th and the bills are due. What does the word say? The word says that he promised to meet my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So therefore, Father, look, okay, the 15th, you created this little 24-hour clock. So I'm believing that somewhere within that 24 hours, some kind of way, I don't care if it is a little dog coming down the street with the money in a bag, that the money is coming, okay? Because that is what your word said, and that is what I am going to say, I'm going to believe it, and you know what? It always comes. But the point is, we have a choice to make, and when we don't, what do you think the Holy Spirit is saying? I mean, he's living on the inside of us, what do you think he's saying? I mean, I often wonder about that. I mean, Jesus, living on the inside of us, he's the one who suffered all that. He is the one who they stabbed. He is the one that they took that crown and shoved it on his head. I mean, you could look at Passion of the Christ. I will admit I've never looked at it because I didn't think I could stomach it. But all of those horrible stories and thoughts of the crucifixion, he went through that for us and we're gonna sit there and, and complain and talk about how we can't have our needs met, that's got to grieve him. Same thing happens if your body is attacked. Notice I said when your body is attacked because we already have divine health. Now, we know that the body will be attacked from time to time, but that's when we have to do what? Stand in faith and call ourselves healed because we are, according to the scriptures, the healed of the Lord. So when we don't do that, again, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Not listening can also grieve the Spirit. Now one of the things that the apostle used to do when he had the Crusades, that used to really <laughs> get to people sometimes, is he used to have, and many of you who went to the Crusades know, he would have red carpet that was on the floor, a platform similar you know, to like this, but he would have a white line of tape that went in front of the platform for healing. And he would tell people to come up, and I want you to come up, put your toe up to the white line, take your belongings, and put them on the left side. Okay, how many people heard that? Okay, good. He would get so frustrated and upset when people would come and put their toes over the line, nowhere near the line, take their stuff, put it on the right side, not the left side. And people thought he was just being ridiculous, but he wasn't. He was teaching a valuable lesson. If he, a man that you can see, is giving you a simple instruction and you can't follow that, what makes you think that you're going to look in a book and be able to follow the instruction of a God whom you've never seen? So he was trying to teach us something with that. Follow the instructions. Be a good listener. If you're a good listener, you can flow with the Holy Spirit. If you're just not listening at all, you're going to miss some things, some big things. The reason why, if there's a crying baby, you know, really crying, we love children. The reason we actually escort them out not because we're being mean. It's because we don't want someone to have that word snatched away from them. Because remember, what is the enemy's job? The enemy tries all the time to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. And here's the deal. He's trying to steal the word okay? He can't do anything to you unless you allow him to, but he's trying to steal that word because if he steals the word from you, then he can do what? He can kill your faith because if you don't hear the word and there's no word, you have no faith for it. And then he can destroy you. So that's the whole point. So we don't want any kind of distraction, so that's why if a baby needs some extra attention, we have them go out so that they can get that extra attention. It's not like we're trying to be mean. But these are all different kinds of ways that if we just let the baby sit there and cry, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. Murmuring and complaining. We do that sometimes. We act like we don't, but let's be authentic, we do. You know, you may murmur and complain having to get up early to come here. You know, I mean, hey, let's be honest, okay? You may. And it's like, it could be anything. Like, oh gosh, I have to press whatever it is I'm going to wear. You know, because they do still use irons and steamers and stuff. You know, and people might even be concerned about that. So they start murmuring and complaining. All of these little things, they grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be at peace. We just read that. He wants you to have joy. He doesn't want you to be upset about little things. And then we can get over into the area of becoming desensitized. And that's real dangerous. Desensitized, you know, like you walk past a beautiful bouquet of roses and you don't even bother to admire them or to smell the beautiful fragrance because you're too busy. you got things to do. You're moving along. Or... You turn on the TV, and Lord knows, we turn on the TV. And I I mean, gun control, uh, everybody, it's constantly. People are just getting shot all over the place. But do we get to a point where we listen to it and we become desensitized? Like, okay, so they killed 50 kids over here, and they killed nine people over here, and they killed 10 people, where we just don't even think about it? Remember, the power of the Godhead lives where? Within us. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to move and affect the world. Well, if he's in us, We have authority to do something about the things that are happening around us. How many times have we heard about any of these killings that are going on? Yeah, we can go sit up and lobby with the politicians about gun control and stuff, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. that's what you're led to do, fine. But you know what? You could open your mouth and you can make a decree and change the thing, too, okay? And when you make the decree, it's God making the decree. That, to me, is a lot more than us lobbying around, trying to get all these things done through Congress and all the rest of that stuff, okay? But sometimes we get desensitized. So we're just not even paying attention. We just flip the channel and go on to something else. And see, the thing about that that concerns me most is when you get desensitized like that, It means that it will start to affect everything. Your prayer life, not just for that situation, but your prayer life for somebody else. You may have somebody in the brethren, in the body of Christ, that you know is standing against something. Okay, are you taking the time to intercede for them, to call them up from time to time, to check on them, to see how they're doing? Or are you so desensitized that, yeah, I don't have time for that. Okay, or your love walk. Because when you start to become desensitized, it affects everything about you. So you find that it also affects your love walk too. Now here's one that gets to me, and this really hurts me personally, but I know of people in the body of Christ, not here though, I haven't found it here at Crenshaw, so praise God, but I know people in the body of Christ who have family members who are going to die and go to hell and they have not even bothered to tell them anything about Jesus. And they know this. I mean, I've had conversations with them. Like, okay, so this is your mother who you know does not know Jesus. You know Jesus. You're born again. You're spirit filled, but you're not going to tell her anything about it? Doesn't it bother you that your mother and your sisters, that their and brother, they're going to die and go to hell and you're just sitting around thinking it's okay? That really bothers me. But there are people who do that. We can't get weary. Don't quit. Even, like there's some people that you know, you have tried to share the word with them for whatever reason they haven't, you know, received it. Just don't quit. Keep interceding, keep praying for them, okay? When we don't participate in making the world around us any better and we just kinda like let things happen, come what may, we're just going to let it go, let it fly. That grieves the Holy Spirit because he's given us all that we need to be successful and to have everything around us be successful. And if we don't do anything with it, it's bad. And then my little last thing on this is parents. The interesting thing about being a parent that they certainly did not ever tell me was that You can bring the little baby home. They're so sweet. They're so cute. They're adorable. But you know what? You're going to be a parent as long as you live. (laughs) In other words, that child can grow and be 100 years old. And you may be 135. But that's still your baby. (laughs) Okay? So, So that means that you have got to never, ever, ever quit. Because sometimes children can be reared in the ways of the Lord. And we know that they will not depart, but they can act up, okay? They can have some moments where you're like, what in the world is wrong with this child? But don't give up. You stay there, and you stand in the gap for your child, okay? And then you watch and see the glory of the Lord manifest. But don't ever, 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 ever quit. Because when you do, it grieves the Holy Spirit now another question that has been asked of me regarding this is some people go well okay I have a look I am born of the Spirit of God I accepted Jesus what is the real big deal I mean you know I have the Holy Spirit in me because I was born of the Spirit of God so what's the big deal with this whole gift of the Holy Spirit I mean do I really have to have that okay no you don't the answer is no you do not you can go right on ahead and if you've accepted Jesus, it is true, you're born of the Spirit of God. However, if you want God's best, how many of you want God's best? Okay, I know I want his best. I don't ever want anything but his best. Well, the best is to be filled, to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And that, according to scripture, and we went over that, so I'm not gonna go back that, get the C V is to be filled, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Now, the question which was posed was what is the big difference? You know, is there gonna be such a big difference in my life? Now, I can't talk about y'all because if I do, somebody's gonna get their feelings hurt. And I already know this. So, I always choose to talk about myself. Because, you know, you can throw rocks at me, but I'm still talking about me, so it's okay. So based upon that, I'm gonna share a few little things that I think will help. All that we've studied in the three prior lessons, I wanna bring it all to a, a place where you can see the application of all of these things that we've studied. In the fall of, I narrowed it down, because I, I mean, for me to sit up and talk about what the Holy Spirit has done for my life, that could be a series that could last 52 weeks. <laughs> Okay, and it could go on and on and on and never end. And nobody wants to hear that much about me, so we're not gonna do that. So I had to narrow it down to something that I thought would really get to the crux of it. So I'm gonna share this with you. In the fall of 1992, Uh, This is so cute because this reminded me, after I wrote this, it reminded me of The Night Before Christmas, (laughs) that little poem. Because, I'm just being authentic. Because I put, in the fall of 1992, with all five of our children tucked snugly in their beds. That's so cute because that reminds me of a line from that poem. Okay, that's all right. You all don't have to get it. But but anyway, um, on this particular evening, (laughs) we heard some strange noises in our attic. Okay, now the attic in our house, well, I guess in all houses, I don't know. But the attic goes across the whole, you know, top portion of the house. And at the time, our two sons were in bunk beds. So my eldest son was sleeping on the top bunk. He could really hear this. You know, and you know how kids can be sometimes, they make it sound like, you know. But he was older, so it didn't make a lot of sense that, you know, he would just be making this up. So he comes in and he's telling us, do you hear that? So then we did. hear it so then we go into his room and we really could hear it and I'm telling you it was startling because we don't have a spirit of fear but a power of love and a sound mind but whatever this thing or thing or whatever was going on in the attic we knew we don't want to really deal with this (laughs) okay so we were thinking well maybe it could be animals we didn't really know okay okay So we decided, smart people that we are, we got in the car, we got all the kids out, and look, I'm just, again, this is my life, funny as it is, we got all the kids in the car and we're sitting in the parking lot. We must have looked really funny, okay? But we're all sitting in the parking lot, but we're smart people. So therefore, I bought the cordless phone with me and the Yellow Pages, because I'm thinking, I'll find somebody to come and take care of this situation. So I'm sitting out there and it's like three or four o'clock in the morning and I find this exterminator who says that he's 24 hours and he'll do whatever. That's a lie, okay? All of those people in there who said 24 hours, I call like five of them leave a message at the tone. I'm like, this is not helping me. I need somebody to come here now. Well, needless to say, the people did come, you know, like whenever the regular business hours were and we found out that we had a family of raccoons who decided to just make a residence in our attic. And they're nocturnal, which means they really do all their activity at night. So that's why we never heard them during the day. So I'm like, okay. So we hired him to go up there and take care of them and get them out and do all the rest of that stuff. But I'm sharing this with you for a reason, because What that did for us to do that, just keep this in mind, it actually was showing us or giving us a way of escape for us to get all five of our kids out of the house. Now, you would think, okay, what's the big deal with this? Why did God allow this to happen? Well, fast forward to 1993 and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. I really want you to see this. The book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 in the New King James Version of the Bible. Let me know when you have it. Okay. Verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba, in your place. Now, on February 4th, 1993, I woke up and the Holy Spirit directed me to those three verses of scripture. Now, being a person who, I mean, I was born again in 1984, so come on, we really get into the New Testament because that's, you know, That's the New Willing Testament. We're really spending a lot of time. So I'll be honest enough to tell you, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the Old Testament. So when the Holy Spirit is telling me to go to these verses of Scripture, I mean, I knew the main ones, you know, like Isaiah 53.5, you know, things that dealt with healing and stuff. I really hadn't looked at these verses before. So I'm like, okay, I read them, but here's the thing. How many of you, and I know you do, you know the difference between Logos word and Rhema word. Logos word is you're just reading the Bible and it's there and you read it. But Rhema, it like jumps off the page and grabs you. Well these verses of scripture grab me. And I'm telling you, it made no sense. So much so, I started questioning the Holy Spirit. What is this about? Why are you giving me these verses? And it was like I tried to turn to other things to read other things. This is only three verses, you know, and I was trying to read like a chapter a day and stuff. He kept sending me back to these three verses. I couldn't get away from these verses even though I tried. So I was like, okay, that day I go on throughout the day. I'm doing everything I need to do. And usually, you know, when it comes to a certain point in the day after your dinner is cooked, you've done all the stuff you need to do, you change out of your clothes and you kind of relax. I mean, maybe you all don't, I do, okay? So this particular day, the Holy Spirit told me no, stay dressed, and I'm like, what is going on? Okay, and I mean, when I say stay dressed, don't even take off and put on your house shoes. Dress with shoes on your feet. This is so not me, okay? But I did it because I listened. I learned to listen to the Holy Spirit. So I said, okay, fine. When it came time to putting my daughter, the baby of the family who at the time wasn't quite two years old. So she was still in a crib in her room in the nursery which was across from my room. And the Holy Spirit, I had put her in her crib to go to sleep for the night. The Holy Spirit told me to go get her and put her in my bed. Now, I gotta tell you, I thought that was totally crazy. But I was like, he was so clear that I was like, okay. So I scooped her up, and then I went and put her in our bed. And I'm going about, and I'm sitting here dressed. Sam comes home from work, and he's even looking at me like, you're really dressed, okay, thoroughly dressed. I said, yeah, the Holy Spirit just told me to do it. I don't know, whatever, so I'm just being obedient. So he's like, yeah, okay. He hits the shower comes out of the shower, and it's a little after 11 o'clock. Now, how do I know it's a little after 11 o'clock? Because this is during the days when Arsenio Hall was a big deal. And I had prepared his food and put it in, you know, the the fridge, and he was taking it out to put it in the microwave. He had gotten out of the shower, had a little towel wrapped around, and he's in there, and he looks up, and first of all, he thought the microwave had messed up because he heard this, like, popping sound. You know, and I kind of heard it too. I'm like, oh boy, we need a microwave, you know. But the microwave was fine. We looked up in our kitchen and the ceiling, the paint was bubbling, just like bubbling on the ceiling. And we're like, what is this? So we have a sliding glass door off of our kitchen. He goes and he opens the sliding glass door and it was like Backdraft the movie. And Stan, all of you know Stan, my husband, He so calmly said, Iva, I think I need your help. That's when I knew something is wrong, okay? Because for him to be that calm and quiet, that was truly not the character of the man I knew. So I was like, okay, okay. So he goes downstairs because he's trying to, now this is February 4th. He's figuring he's going to put out this fire with our hose which is now frozen because it's February 4th, okay? So that's not working and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, let me get on the phone. I obviously need to call the fire department. So I get on the phone, I'm calling the fire department and what do I get? I get an operator on who's telling me that I'm in the wrong county, that she can't help me because I live in Suffolk County and she's in Nassau County. Then she like clicks off because the phone wasn't operating right because I didn't know the wires were burning, okay? So I remember, and see, this is important for all of us to remember, every word you say can be used at any given point in time. And I remember my mother telling me as a little girl, if you just keep flashing, the, the, the button on a phone, an operator will come to it. Just keep flashing the button. So the keypad wasn't working, but I kept flashing it and flashing it, and I got another operator. I was like, praise God. So she's telling me the same thing. It's in a different county, she can't help me. I said, look, let me explain something to you. I said, I have five children in a burning house. I need your help. I don't give a cab about what county you're in. I need you to get somebody here to help me now. She goes, okay, okay, okay. I got rid of the phone. Then I had to get these children out. Now Stan is literally, he puts on this Carhartt. Now this is my little commercial for Carhartt. These things are wonderful, these jumpsuits, okay? You put them on, they're very warm, which was good since he had nothing on but a towel. But anyway, so, so he puts on this jumpsuit, and he's running around, his typical stand, trying to get everything done. Okay, so he's grabbing things that we need like money, that's important, and different things, And and I'm trying to get these kids out. So the bottom line was, we all get out of the house. We're standing outside, and I have to tell you something. It's nothing like standing outside of your house and watching it burn. I'm telling you. But here's the good news, here's the really good news. My neighbors were hysterical. They're crying, the lady from across the street, she's coming, she's crying, I'm comforting these people as my house is burning, okay? Okay, she's crying, she's having a fit, but here's the thing. Another thing that my mother said to me that came back to me clear as day is wear everything in this world like a loose fitted garment that you can just step out of it and walk away and it not bother you. So as I stood there and I watched it burn, I said, you know what? My husband is fine, these children are fine. I have so much to be grateful for. So I sat there and as everybody was you know, doing their thing, here's another thing that's important. The music ministry. Because when people come up here and minister, those songs, They're ministering to your spirit. And a week before, when we were in church, this wonderful sister by the name of Pauline, you're not going to know her at all, but anyway, she was singing this song about he will provide, the Lord will provide. And I got to tell you, I stood there, and I had such a peace that truly passes all understanding because I watched... You know, there's a a song, uh, The Way We Were, and it talks about scattered pictures of the memories that we once had. And I'm standing there watching, and you're seeing the pictures burn. You're seeing the things that you saved that you thought were so important. You know, the children's, different little things that they did in school and the things they received and all of their little medals and stuff and you know, the, the um, baby dedication outfits and all this stuff that I had stored so nice and neatly, you're watching it burn. And you stand there with such gratitude. You wanna know why? The Holy Spirit prepared me for that day. I was dressed, I put the, oh, I gotta tell you this part, this is really good. After all this happens, and we receive such love too, because I gotta share this. My neighbor next door, She, we ended up going to her house, because I mean, we couldn't go back into nothing. And this was in the middle of the night. She said, no, come over here. And I'm like, there's a lot of us. And she had like a smaller house. She took mattresses. I don't even know where she found this stuff from. But she took mattresses out, put them on her living room floor, made beds for us to sleep in. I mean, the love. I was just like, and she hadn't been my neighbor for as long as some of my other neighbors. I, I was just so blessed by that. And that's where we ended up spending the night. And the kids, the next morning, you know, the morning, It's still during the week, so it was a matter of, do they go to school or not? Okay, we decided we're going to let this incident be a testimony. Our kids always tried to get perfect attendance, so if they didn't go to school, that meant they couldn't get perfect attendance. So I said, no, we don't have a spirit of fear. We're trusting God, so guess what? You're going to wash up, and you're going to school. They went to school that day. And I'm going to tell you, not only was it a testimony to our own children to see how we operated as their parents, but it was to my neighbors, it was to the entire community. But I have to share, and this was the part I really wanted you to know, the um, fire marshal, because that's, you know, they come by because they have to check if it's arson or whatever, you know, that's their job. And he discovered that we had the fire because we had had high hats, which are like these cute little things that you see up in the ceiling that are flush in the ceiling. We had done that as an improvement to our home. I don't know, like a year before the raccoons came. Well, the raccoons, the cute little things that they are, had gnawed on the wires. So what happened was when the dear man came to take care of everything, he didn't notice that. And the wires, after a while, you know, the wires have insulation on them. Well, when that insulation, when the wires get hot, it caught the insulation that was in the rafters, and that's what created the fire. So, that's why that happened. But the fire marshal, so he knew it wasn't arson, he explained what it was. But then he sat and he talked with my husband for a long time because the part that got to him was that it wasn't even a month prior that a similar situation, I don't know if it was raccoons, but it was a fire that happened not that far from our house. And it was parents with five children, and all of them died. (laughs) Because you see, here's the interesting thing about smoke and fire about it, we think about it, flames, how do they go? They shoot up, they don't shoot down, okay? So they shoot up, smoke goes up. Since this happened in our attic, all things being equal, we could have been like that other family, been asleep, and they could have just gone up, and then we could have all just become, you know, cremated, basically, okay? So that shook this man a little, because he was just like, this, just, this for all of you to get out? Okay, this was just, so it was a testimony for him. But then, to show you again how good the Holy Spirit is, remember I told you that he had me take the baby out of her crib and put her into my room? Well, the nursery was right next door to the kitchen, and the whole wall that her crib was sitting on bubbled up. And the fire marshal told us, had you left her in that crib, she would have died. Because of the fumes from the paint would have killed her. So you see, the Holy Spirit will tell you of things to come. But if you grieve him and you don't want to half listen to him and you don't want to be bothered with being filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit because you think you got it all under control, bless your heart, okay? But for me, I don't want to live a millisecond without him because what did he do for me he spared not just my life he spared my whole entire family's life my whole entire family's life and i got to tell you it gets better <laughs> what the enemy meant for evil my god turned it around for good because at the time our house before the fire was four bedrooms and two bathrooms and that's wonderful i mean i was happy that's okay actually It was a house that I had believed God for as a child, because that's a whole other funny story. I grew up living on top of a funeral home. I'll tell you that another time. My father was a funeral director, so we lived on top of a funeral home. Oh my gosh, I could tell you things about that that are not, it's very interesting. So I had gone, gone, that's why my husband is a dear man, because he had to literally come and court me on top of a funeral home, think about that. So anyway, um, uh, my best girlfriend at the time, her parents bought a house in a nice little development and it was a high ranch. Now high ranch is just a fancy way of saying it's a ranch house and then it has like a second story on it, okay? So you come in, you go up a couple of steps, whatever. But I was nine years old, and since I knew I didn't want to grow up living on top of a home forever, when I got married, I wanted a high ranch, just because I liked her house and I thought it was nice. So at nine years old, see now listen to this, God hears you whenever you speak. Now even though at nine I wasn't born again, that's a whole other story, I thought I was, but I was not, um, I still believed in God and I loved God. And see the thing that's so wonderful is the laws of God work for the just and the unjust. Just like gravity, if you throw something up, if you're a believer, it's going to come down. If you're an unbeliever, it's going to come down. You can have an unbeliever who's a great giver, who is very giving. They constantly are going to reap that back into their life. So as a nine-year-old, I still believed in God and had faith in God. And I asked him, I said, Lord, I want to have a house like this when I grow up. Well, when I grew up, I got a house like that. So I was very happy. I was like, praise the Lord. However, when this happened, you know, you got to start thinking about things. Like, how are you going to rebuild? What's going to happen? You know, all the rest of that. Now, we also had in the original house a deck. Now, the deck, that was actually something that came from the Lord too. Because... And I talked about this in, in some other message when I said how you and your husband may not always be on the same page because my husband wanted this nice deck. Because, you know, we don't have, like, I guess here it would be a nice, beautiful terrace or something. Well, on Long Island, you have decks. So he wanted this big deck on the back of the house. And I was just like, you know, first of all, I was thinking of the money, you know, at the time. And at the time, I didn't know the word like I know it now. So every dime meant something. And I'm like, really? You want a deck? I mean, but I, so I didn't see it. But again, I have always said this God created both my husband and myself. So when I don't see something, I don't give him grief and I don't yada, 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 who needs that? I go directly to the father because I could be missing it. I could be wrong and I want him to instruct me. Now if I'm right, then he can instruct him but I leave it to the father to do, I don't do it, okay? So anyway, in this particular instance, I knew he wanted this deck. We were at church one Sunday, and there was a a person there who was getting ready to start off into a, like a mission field. You know, he was going out into the ministry. And they had said, you know, of course we wanted to bless this man as he was about to, you know, to go off. And one of the things that my husband would do is, you know, he would always carry like a $100 bill for like emergencies, you know, because when you have five kids, at the time, that meant a lot. Now, you know, (laughs) that's different. But at the time, that was good to have. But anyway, he came up to me and he said, I'm led to give him $100. Now, you gotta understand, this was $100, which was our emergency money. Now, why was he reaching for that? Because he didn't have $100 of regular money, (laughs) okay? And I was like, you really want to, you know, I was like, well, It's good to give, but I'm like, Lord, please, please make sure that he's hearing from you. Because this is, I mean, really? But, okay. But we we got into agreement, because that's something that's important, too. We got into agreement. Praise God, he asked me. And we did get into agreement. I didn't give him a hard time. I was questioning the Holy Spirit, though. But to show you how wonderful the Holy Spirit is, the money that we needed for this deck that he wanted was over $1,000 in lumber alone. It didn't even take two weeks. And we got the money for the lumber for the deck from the seed that was planted with that $100. You see, it's seed, time, harvest, okay? He planted the seed. We only had two weeks' worth of time. We got the harvest. And then we happened to live across the street from a carpenter. So (laughs) with the carpenter and a couple of good meals of whatever I was making, (laughs) okay, and Stan, they put up this beautiful 14 by 12 deck, which was wonderful. Well, with the fire, we didn't have the deck anymore, of course, because we didn't have the house, we didn't have the deck. However, when it was all finished and done, we had always talked about, and this is why it's so important when it comes to dreams, and I talk to you all all the time about spending some time dreaming. Stan and I would sit out and we would talk about how we wanted to put an extension on our house and we talked about how we wanted to make the deck bigger. And we had these ideas of how we wanted to have this deck where you could come off of our kitchen, but then build on this huge master bedroom suite where you could dump off of the suite onto this deck. We had all these grandiose ideas, but we would sit and talk about it. Well, I have you know that when all of this happened, We then had another decision to make because the insurance company gives you money to rebuild, but they give you money to rebuild what you already had. Well, we decided to step out in faith, trust the Holy Spirit, and allow Stan to be the general contractor, which meant he was gonna take this money that they gave us, he was gonna, we were gonna take the faith that we had and believe for some more that we didn't have yet, (laughs) okay? But trust, the Holy Spirit, to show him how to build the house that we wanted. So guess what? He did. So we ended up with a six-bedroom, four-bathroom house, with a deck exactly as we envisioned it. That's 16 by 25. And it's all to the glory of God. But here's the thing. God is so amazing. He like gives you all the time. And his talks about it, he gives you more than you can think or ask. Well, it added a whole nother dimension to my husband's business. Because before that, he was into commercial painting. And that was pretty much kind of it. You know, he'd do a little bit of things here or there. After this house that he was able to do, it became like a trophy, if you will, and it gave him the ability to completely trust the Holy Spirit. And there was somebody else who had a house that burned out, and he was able to do that house, okay, in its entirety, and the woman was thrilled because he came in below budget and gave her everything that she wanted. So she even had a little extra money for whatever she wanted on top of that. Excellent reference, okay? And then his business continued to build. And then he had the opportunity for one of our clients that has a whole lot of different sports clubs. They bought a property up in Schenectady. I personally call this his crown jewel. It was a multi-million dollar renovation. And he had to do things that we never even, like imagine somebody, Okay, have you guys ever seen the cooking show Chopped? Yes. Okay, you know how they give them some of the most ridiculous things in these baskets and they're supposed to come up with some kind of edible food? Well, this is what, as far as I'm concerned, they did with my husband. They gave him this thing. I looked at this place. I'm like, you're supposed to turn this into what? But he believed God. He would get in his truck leave my house, drive all the way to Schenectady, which is hours upon hours away, and he would pray in the Spirit the whole entire time. Because he knew when he got there, he was relying on the Holy Spirit to tell him how to take this mess and turn it into a message and that's exactly what he did and it truly became a crown jewel it is beautiful I went up there and I looked at it when it was finished and I have to tell you it brought tears to my eyes because I know how much he was trusting God I know how much he was relying on the Holy Spirit to show him how to do certain things and it made all of the difference and it is still standing absolutely beautiful and glorious for anybody to see so again The Holy Spirit, if we just learn to be sensitive to him, to trust him, you will see where he can do all kinds of things in your life. I'm going to share one little last story and then I'm going to close. And this little last story I'm going to show you because, again, the only reason I'm sharing these things with you, it's not because I just like standing up here talking about myself or talking about them. I'm sharing it. Because I want you to get and I want you to see what the Holy Spirit can do, what he does do on a regular basis. And there's no better person, like I said before, I can share it with than myself because you're not going to get mad if I talk about me. Well, this story is really, really special to me because I was all excited when uh, I was pregnant with my fifth child. And that's a whole nother funny story. <laughs> I don't I'm trying to tell you all that. But anyway, I was believing God for another couple who had been married for over 10 years and they really wanted a baby. And, you know, I started interceding for them. And how many people know if you truly intercede, not this little fake stuff, but truly intercede, you take that on. It becomes a part of you. And I was believing for them so much for this baby, for them to have a baby then I already had four children. Now, most people would say, you should be very happy with that, praise the Lord. But then all of a sudden, I had a desire to have another child. I mean, it did seem like, where is this coming from? But it was so strong. I mean, I would walk around and see babies in a stroller and stop and I would be like, oh, you know, I mean, it was almost uncanny. And I even said to the Lord, Lord, look, you have to take this away. Either bless me with a child or take this away from me because it's like all becoming consuming and it just doesn't make any sense. Well, anyway, I ended up, I, I was on a crusade and they, somebody actually spoke and said to me, when you go home with your five children, I said, I don't have five children, I have four. What are you talking about? She said, oh, I thought you had five. Well, I didn't know she was being prophetic because when I got home, I found out I was pregnant with our fifth child. So <laughs> Way anyway, I was like, oh! So I was excited through the whole time, okay? Now secretly, in my heart of hearts, being really authentic in that little secret place between me and the Lord, I wanted a girl. Because I had had two girls, two boys, I mean I would have had another boy and been blessed, but I really wanted a girl. You know like when you go into the store and you're looking at the baby clothes and you see the little boy clothes, but you just kind of like pass them by and you just look at all the girls. I really wanted a girl. So anyway, it comes time and I'm getting close to the time, all of my other children have been late. All of them were at least a week late. So anyway. I, I'm coming t- toward the closing stretch of giving birth to this precious child, right? And I had it all planned because I pretty figured, pretty much figured out this was the last one. So I had my bag packed, which I never have packed for the other kids. But I had my bag packed. I had my praise and worship tapes. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to have labor, and we're just going to have praise and worship in the room. I mean, I had all of this planned out. It was just going to be so wonderful. Well. They gave me a baby shower that Saturday, on a Saturday. This child was born on a Monday. Gave me the baby shower on that Saturday. Sunday we went to this big party at church. Now, I wasn't due for like another week, so I'm thinking everything's fine. Get up that Monday morning, and I'm starting to feel a little strange, but I thought it was Braxton Hicks. I'm figuring, okay, the baby's just dropping, it's Braxton Hicks, whatever. And I'm not paying too much mind, put the kids out to school, and then I'm like, I think I'm just gonna go lay down for a minute. And I'm like, these little Braxton Hicks, I don't remember them being quite like this, <laughs> okay? And Stan had returned the, sh- the chairs that we, you know, had borrowed for the shower. And he, the Holy Spirit again, had him call me. And he said, the, and he told me, the Holy Spirit had me call you. I said, why? Well, I don't know why he had me call you. I said, but I am having these Braxton Hicks, you know? And he goes, okay, you're having Braxton Hicks? I said, well, something. He said, I'll be right there. By the time he came back home, I recognized the Braxton Hicks, this was not it. Something was going on. I had the hardest time trying to even get down my steps, which is only like six little steps, okay, to get into the car. This baby was coming. We got to the hospital. And not to gore you all out, but when you get to the hospital, you know, they give you certain centimeters that you have to be dilated to, if any of you have had children. When you're at the ninth centimeter, that means you're going into his delivery room. Well, when I got there, I was already at nine centimeters. Stan went to park the car, okay? When he went to park the car and came back, the baby was born. I didn't even have, I had no time to even take, they didn't have time to do anything. She was born on a gurney, okay? I had no time to take off my clothes, anything. This child was whoop, she was out. But here is the thing, she came out and I didn't hear any cry. Okay, now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because a lot of times babies come out, they don't cry, but the nurse who delivered her, and I could get into more stories, but the clock's not my friend, so I can't, because this this is really funny, you have to come to my noonday Bible study, we really have fun talking, but anyway, um, she shot out. And I didn't know what I had. I didn't know if it was a girl, a boy, I knew nothing. Because the nurse rushed out of the room with her. And I was like, okay, so I'm sitting there. Sam comes in, he goes, what happened? I said, well, I had the baby. He goes, well, where is the baby? I said, I don't know. They just rushed, they rushed out of the room. I said, I don't even know what I had, nothing. So, but here's the, the thing. I'm sitting there. And the Holy Spirit, as clear as day, told me to say these words. And I learned, again, from going to church at a Bible study, that God is the only giver of life. The enemy does not. And the pastor who was teaching shared how when a child is born, that God breathes the breath of life into that child. So I remembered that, remember how I said the words will come back to you? So at that moment, I'm laying there on the stretcher while Stan's going to try to find out what's going on. And I said, Father, thank you for breathing the breath of life into my child. Now I don't know, did not know why I said that. Here's the deal. When that nurse rushed out of the room with the baby, it's because the baby wasn't breathing. They do tests test called Apgar scores. The Apgar score for the baby was nothing because the baby wasn't breathing. When I said, Father, thank you for breathing the breath of life into my child, she breathed and her scores went to the highest. I didn't even know what was going on, but the Holy Spirit did. Do you get that? The Holy Spirit told me what to say because he lives inside of me. The power of God is within me. When I said those words, God said those words, and that is why she breathed. Okay, I don't even, and then the nurse came crying. She was crying because what had happened, the reason why the baby was born so fast and all the rest of this, was she had actually started going to the bathroom inside of me. And for any of you who've ever had children or nurses who are here or anything, that can be dangerous because if the baby breathes that, that into Through the umbilical cord, they die. So, this is why she was so freaked out because she saw that that had happened, and then the baby wasn't breathing, so that's why she darted out. Okay, so Stan got to hold the baby first because I didn't even know I had a girl. So, then I was very, very happy to find out that wow, I did have a little girl, but here is the thing God was in it through it all, through it all, through it all. So, when you sit. And you think about the different things that are manifesting in your life or the different things that you might need a little clarity on in your life or the different questions that you may have, I just submit to you, spend some time. Find a quiet place and sit and pray in the Spirit. And for those of you who do not have the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, this is the last Sunday of the year. Don't leave here without that gift. So much so, the apostle in his book, because he had a challenge with receiving the gift, That's, you have to get it on tape, can't go through all that now, but he writes this, and this is the apostle, and he says, if at first your language does not flow, Do not become discouraged or doubt that you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The devil may suggest to you that you're making it all up. Don't listen to him. Remember he is a liar and the father of lies. Be obedient to the Lord and keep praying and singing in the spirit. Continue to praise God for filling you as he promised. Continue stepping out in faith by yielding your voice to the Lord. He will surely give you the fulfillment of the desire of your heart. If at all possible, seek other spirit-filled believers with whom you can fellowship and pray in the spirit. Continue. To to exercise your gift daily. If you would claim your rightful New Testament inheritance in Christ, begin by receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Remember, this is not an end. It is just the beginning. It ushers you through a spiritual doorway into the supernatural realm of spiritual blessing. Potentially, you have become a powerful and effective witness for Jesus Christ. So don't let the devil rob you of God's best. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hold fast to the word of God, which abides forever, and soon you will be firmly grounded in this new life in the spirit. Thanks to God for his inexpressible gift. Well, again, I pray that these lessons have encouraged you to strengthen your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Take some time to examine your own life and find out if he is, in fact, the missing ingredient. If so, as I mentioned before, that can be corrected today. I am also prayerful that you will please, please, please grieve not the Holy Spirit.
0: Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening, and remember, walk by faith, not by sight.